Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Pray the sins in Christ strongly. Amen. Asaph worked at a temple. He composed hymns, songs, songs to be sung in worship at the temple. He was a worship leader. He led the people of Israel in worship of Yahweh. This hymn, this psalm, we caught him on a bad day. We caught him on a day where he was comparing himself to his neighbors. Have you seen that sign or that meme? The neighbors have better stuff. You ever feel like that? Now, some of you are farmers, you don't have neighbors, I get it, but uh, there's something in us that compares to those around us. We often think the neighbors have better stuff. The neighbors' lives are better than our life. They never have health issues. They never seem to have relationship issues. Their kids seem to be perfect. Of course, we call this the grass is greener, don't we? The grass is greener. Their crops seem to grow better. Their garden is always nicer. They always have better, bigger. We just can't keep up. This hymn is 3,000 years old. For over 3,000 years, people have been looking at the neighbor's stuff and thinking it's better. It's one thing if your neighbor's stuff is better than your stuff and they're a good person. It's another thing if your neighbor's stuff is better than your stuff and they're a jerk. And that's what Asaph's problem was, was his neighbor was a jerk. In fact, Asaph says that his neighbor was wicked, evil, arrogant, prideful. It's a bad day for Asaph. He's stuck in the doldrums. Asaph says that he has kept himself pure, that he has tried to follow Yahweh, to do the right thing, to be a good person, to be righteous, to try to be holy. I mean, that's what the song leader of the temple should be, I suppose. But he keeps looking at his neighbor and this wicked, arrogant, good for nothing, gets ahead. Maybe Asaf had a bad report from the doctor and got him thinking, that, you know, how come bad things happen to good people and not to jerks like my neighbor? Maybe he met with his financial advisor and uh, realized that it was going to be a difficult year and retirement was not looking so hot. He thought, my neighbor always seems to have good stuff and 
always has new things, and my neighbor is such a jerk, a wicked person. How is it that they get ahead, and me, who's trying to follow God, who's trying to follow Yahweh, I can't seem to catch a break? Maybe he got a call from the sheriff. I had to go get his kid out of jail in the middle of the night. I thought, why are my kids not following Yahweh? Why are my kids the ones who seem to be the bad apples, the ones that can't get their acts together but my neighbor? Their kids are well, they got a bumper sticker on their chariot that's so irritating. It says, my kid is on the Jerusalem High honor roll. And all he can think of uh, soft to put on his chariot is my kid can beat up your kid. begins very generically. 
Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are fair in heart. He affirms something that is very generic, and we read it, and we're like, yep, that sounds like the Bible. But immediately following that, that's for me. Those are important words. Surely God blesses his people, but as for me. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Clearly, he's not picturing himself walking along the sidewalk, slipping. Foothold. Foothold is something that you need when you are ascending a mountain, when you're climbing. In Colorado, I've done some mountain climbing. There's 54 peaks that are 14,000 feet or higher in Colorado. And there are weirdos who try to climb every single one. I'm not one of those weirdos. I've only climbed a handful. And when you climb and hike these 14ers, the last two, 3,000 feet is exposed. There's no trees. It's above timberline. And you're just scrambling over rocks, granite, boulders. And you can ascend these mountains without uh, ropes and harnesses. You can hike them. But really, you're on all fours, scrambling. My brother, who was a park ranger at, uh, at uh, Rocky Mountain National Park for two seasons, had a rescue one night, one day actually. A hiker had slipped. His foothold had not held. In fact, he had stepped on a boulder, and the boulder had moved, and then it crushed his leg and broke his leg. They're able to removed the boulder from him and the rangers finally got to him and they realized we're not going to get this man off of the, the rock face before nightfall. And of course he's on a day hike. He had no warm clothing so my brother and the other ranger took all that they had with them and they placed all the warm clothing on him. And the three of them huddled together under a couple of space blankets as the temperature above timberline usually gets below freezing every night, even in July. They were able to remove the man from the mountainside the next day, but his foothold, he had slipped, and there were severe consequences for that slip. There's a place on Long's Peak, it's a 14,000 foot mountain in Rocky Mountain National Park, and they have to rescue people nearly weekly off of Long's Peak. And there's a part of the mountain called the Narrows. It's part of the trail. And the Narrows are just that narrow. There's a few hundred foot fall off the Narrows. You really pay attention to your foothold on the Narrows. This is what a sophist picturing. As for me, I almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. Now, why does he almost lose his foothold? It says, For I didn't meet the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. 
He's doubting God's goodness to him. He's doubting that God cares about him when he sees the prosperity of others who don't care about God. So Asaph is very honest, isn't he? Do we ever pray very honestly to God? See, one of the things that we can learn from the Psalms is we can create and grab language for our own prayers. It's kind of like the guys down south say, God's a big enough boy, he can handle it. I mean, if you are struggling with doubts, pray through that. Bring them to God. He already knows, right? He already knows what you're thinking. So why don't we voice it to Him? Why don't we wrestle through our doubts in prayer with God? In fact, that's what Psalm 73 is teaching us to do. That's why the Holy Spirit said, printed, that's good, Bible. See, the trouble that Asaph is having is that he's doubting God's goodness because he's not experiencing it. It's one thing to know in your head, God is good all the time. But there are days, aren't there? There are days that we do not feel and experience God's goodness. There are days where we can't see God and His presence in our lives and what He's doing and how He's working. There are days, sometimes there are weeks, sometimes months, sometimes years. It brings doubt. You know, a lot of times people think, well, and church, churches can do this a lot. They say, you know, just, just stop doubting and believe. Just quit doubting and believe. But that's not what the scriptures model to us. They model a person who is wrestling with their doubts and talking about their doubts with God. In our day and age, we often hear that the opposite of doubt uh, is belief. We often hear that the opposite of belief is unbelief. But that's not the case. Everyone has a belief system. Whether they have unbelief, they don't believe in God, they believe then that there is no God. That's their belief system. And people who believe in God believe that there's God, so their belief system is that they believe in God and be tracking Him. You see, everyone is exercising belief. There's very little in this world that is certain. In fact, science is telling us more and more that this world is more spectacular and interesting and complex than we can even imagine. This pulpit, though if I were to take my hand and hit it hard, like, you know, those old-fashioned pulpit-beating pastors, probably hurt myself, break my hand, but atomic theory tells us that this thing is less stuff than stuff. At an atomic level, there is lots of space in this world, in this pulpit. Things aren't often what they appear, is what science is telling us. And the scriptures beat science there. You see, Paul, the apostle says, 
that you should walk by faith, not by sight. See, oftentimes, the world is not as it appears. God is not as he appears. What's going on behind the scenes in our life is often not what we think is going on behind the scenes. And the only way we can exercise belief in these things is through faith. So Asaph is faced with doubts, but what's the cure for his doubts? There are four things that he does in this psalm to help him with his doubts. The first is he doubts his doubt. He doubts his doubt. And oftentimes we don't do this. We don't think to doubt our doubt. We just hear, you know, some egghead on television say that, well, Jesus didn't rise from the dead, and here's why. And we're like, hmm, well, he's got a PhD. He must be really smart. We should listen to him. But did you know there's like lots of other folks with PhDs who do believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And they have reasons, and they have rational reasons to argue that Jesus rose from the dead. You see, God wants us to believe things, but he doesn't couch belief and rationality as opposed to each other. They complement each other. Yes, faith is a leap, but it's an informed leap. It's a rational and so Asaph starts to doubt his doubt, verse 3. He says, he's being very honest, for I envy the arrogant. What's his real problem with his doubt? His real problem is jealousy. His real problem is that he looks at his neighbor and he thinks, my neighbor has got better stuff. He envies. He's jealous. He begins to doubt his doubt. I'd encourage you. I encourage you to do that. When doubts creep into your mind, start to doubt your doubts. Become skeptic, skeptical of your skepticism. Think through what you're listening to or thinking about and wrestle with it. The second thing that Soft does. He goes to church. He goes to the temple. He says in verse 17, I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood there the, the wicked's final destiny. It's so fascinating because I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with somebody and they haven't been in church for a long time and they tell me the reason I haven't been in church for a long time is I'm really wrestling with I'm wrestling with whether any of this is true or not. And I have to think, well, if you're wrestling outside by yourself, I mean, get together with other people. Get together with other folks. In fact, Asaf has had an experience. He saw that his neighbors had better stuff. The problem is not just intellectual. The problem is also experiential. And so you can't think your way out of these doubts. You have to have experiences that help you with your doubts. And that's what gathering with other believers helps us with. It helps us doubt our doubts. It helps us experience God. 
helps us experience His goodness. So Asaph goes to the sanctuary. You have these ancient descriptions of what happened at the temple. And the temple was the place where people would gather together, they would sing, there was often choirs at the temple that were singing praises to God. There was also folks that were giving offerings, tithes and offerings to the temple. There were people who were in classes, there were actually classrooms off the side of the temple, the second temple. And people would sit and they would learn and they would study the Torah. And then there were the sacrifices. Every morning, every evening, there was a sacrifice. And in between, as people brought their own sacrifices to the temple, there was sacrifices going on all day long at the temple. And these sacrifices was what made people right with God. Now you're going to come to these kinds of statements in the the Psalms as you enter into them, as you read them, as you pray them, but we are on the other side of the cross. And we have this perfect one-time-only sacrifice, Jesus on the cross. And that's what makes us right with God, is having faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, that it cleanses us of our sins, that it puts us in right relationship with God. And Asaf realizes, even though things don't appear it, even though things in his life don't always go like he would like them to, he still is right with God. This gives him great comfort. In fact, the next thing he does is he starts to compare footholds. He compares his foothold, his confidence in God, with the foothold of the wicked. And he realizes that we both are believing things, but his foothold is better. This is something that we all need to learn to do in our modern day culture. Because if you haven't noticed, our culture is becoming rather hostile to the Christian message. The church has lost home field advantage over the last few years. And more and more media and the colleges and universities are becoming hostile to Christianity, to the church. And it's constantly couched that you cannot prove that there is a God. And so why would you believe these things? Why would you believe these ancient fairy tales, these myths? Of course, the contrary is also true. You cannot prove that there isn't a God. You see, at the end of the day, Everyone is exercising belief. And the question becomes, whose foothold is the best? Then finally, Asaf realizes that God has always been with him. He says in verse 23, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Asaf realizes that God is always with him. And for us as believers in Christ, we can take our imagination and we can go to Gethsemane. The place where Jesus experienced great pain and suffering. He started to experience doubt 
He started to walk into that place where God forsook him. He started walking in that place where there was division between him and his father. We can picture ourselves kneeling next to Jesus as Jesus is wrestling with God's will for his life. We can kneel next to Jesus. We can learn from Christ who says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Even though it costs me, even though I'm not excited about this, even though it will hurt greatly, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Ultimately, that prayer led to Christ being hung on the cross being crucified, being killed. But God the Father in his wisdom used that horrific act to bring about the salvation of those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. If you have doubts, if you wrestle with if God is really good, look to Christ at Gethsemane and look to Jesus at the cross. God loves you. God cares about you. Even though it doesn't always feel that way. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you that Asaf had his moments of doubt. And I'm thankful that Psalm 73 exists. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for putting this into the scriptures. So that as we wrestle with doubt, we have a path forward to take. Father, I do pray for anyone who's wrestling with doubts, I offer you. That today would doubt their doubts. They would continue to come to church, to gather with folks, to worship you, experience you. That they would compare for goals. And they would come to the conclusion that even though it doesn't feel like it, you are always there. Holy Spirit, make it so. Yeah. <laughs>